Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man, and indeed it is the two guys at a mic show, TalkZone.com, back at you. Beautiful Tuesday. I was off yesterday, big dog. Well, a lot of people say I'm off every day, but I was actually physically not here yesterday. Big dog in studio, running the show. I heard it was a great one. The dog and the coach will be with you today once again right up until 11 o'clock, bringing you sports talk and more. We hope everybody's got their tax returns in because... Even though it is not April 15th, it is April 17th, two days after today is the day the taxes must be in the mail. I visited my local post office right before coming to the show. One of the highlights of the day, I'm sure. 888-463-6748, our phone number here on the Two Guys in a Mic Show. David Olson, our producer, on the other side of the window pane. Or as we like to sometimes call them, the pane on the other side of the window. A little bit of music and then we will kick this sucker off. Rumbling, bumbling, stumbling down to the 15, the 10, the 5. Touchdown. They got the NFL draft coming up. Where do we start today? NFL draft. I know the big dog has uh, 42 seconds, maybe a little bit more in the WNBA draft yesterday. NHL playoff hockey, NBA basketball coming down. Down the stretch they come. And, of course, we have uh, baseball action. We'll do a little baseball. Round them up, wrap them up. The uh, Cubs did not play yesterday. Back in action against the Miami Marlins. The White Sox lost a heartbreaker. Wow. Didn't see the game, and I'm glad I didn't because that sounded painful. 4-1 to lead into the eighth inning, and they end up losing in 10-10-4. to Another bullpen collapse. Let me welcome in my uh, partner, the big dog, Joe Rodwanski, a man who's had a few collapses of his own, both on air and off in the past. Big dog, how are you? And uh, thank you for taking over yesterday's show. I heard it was a scintillating hit. Uh, I'm not, is that what you heard? That's what I heard. Okay, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. It was going <laughs> up real well until like, at like, uh, at like 10.53 when I <laughs> forgot completely what I was talking about. <laughs> and I was oh not there God. to rescue you. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, I was like, what was I talking about? You know, I hate when that happens. Yes. So. That, can, that can be a little bit uh, problematic, but great to have you, or great to be reunited once again, and it feels... So good with a question mark, but uh, I heard yesterday's show at least the first 48 minutes was outstanding. We can always edit out that last couple of minutes in the archives. Nothing to worry about, Big Dog. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it, Coach. I I, I can deal with uh, an awkward moment for a second. Yeah, no, we're, we're you know I'm, I'm, we got a lot of topics on the docket we got to get to today. Uh, first of all, hopefully you did get your taxes in the mail already, possibly yesterday. Uh, Tax returns. I'm not worried. About, I'm not worried about that at all whatsoever. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, I, I, not I don't sure how taxes. to take that, but okay. I, I, see, I've, I've decided if I'm not going to vote, I won't pay taxes either. Ah, you're you're the one. Yep. Interesting, because I did read there's a few people that have rescinded their United States citizenship for the sole purpose of the primary purpose of not having to pay taxes. 
Wow, that's not a bad idea, Coach. It's an interesting theory. No, I, but I truly, truly love this country. And I was joking about the taxes part. All yes. that stuff is, is, is done, obviously. I don't yeah. want the IRS knocking no. on my door. Coach. In case we have any and agents listening to the show, and, let it be known Big Dog was joking. Let, let's, and let's make this clear, okay? The IRS, when they knock on the door, they knock on the back door, Coach, okay? And they only knock once, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then they enter. It's not good. So, yeah, you don't – I'm not messing with the IRS. I would never do that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Big dog, I, I would never have a doubt. You probably had your returns in about a week ago. You're a man that likes to uh, be ahead of the game when it comes to that. Uh, always, Coach, always. Yes, yes. Yep. Thank you very much. By the way, you'll be very happy to know uh, my uh, first son entering the collegiate years next year. It looked like it was going to be Indiana University, the clear leader, but – in a late run, and I mean an incredible, down-the-stretch comeback tale, the University of Illinois, that's where I was yesterday, visiting the fine campus of the Fighting Illini with my son. They have taken over Indiana, and it looks like, it looks like, dog, at the last second, I will be a proud parent of a University of Illinois student. I know you'll be proud. Thank God. Yes, yes. That's good news. That's really good news, Coach. Yep. That's awesome. Yep, and he will be a member of the backstage theater department, not the sports area, so if you have any... You know, areas of concern over at the Cranard Center. If you want to see more music, maybe a little opera, possibly not enough Shakespeare, I will be the man to talk to. I'll be your conduit for all your theater concerns. You know, I, <laughs> I can't even explain how good that is because I need people, and I need, like, college pay-level people yep. to, to help me. You know, like, honestly, I can seriously see, like, next summer, like getting your son some summer work. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Wait. I mean, I'm really excited about this. This is good stuff, Coach. Okay. And yeah. Technically, have more experience than me. So. Yeah, and I like that, and it's important to have connections in a variety of fields. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, theater not your main thing, but what I hear you saying, almost like a manager. You know, you got 25 players at your disposal. When you got different guys that can do different things, it's you know, you put them all together. It's a winning combo. You you got to have a lot of weapons at your disposal to be successful. I like your approach. No, I don't know if he's a Tony Campana, you know, or if he's like, uh, you know, I don't know if he's that fifth outfielder that just specializes in, in, in little things, or if he's like the, the guy that I can only pull off the, the bench to either DH mm. or hit a home run from the left side of the plate. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. But either I way, would I, say I like when, it. It, when it comes to backstage stuff in the uh, theater and technocratic stuff, uh-huh. We're going, uh, if not Albert Pujols, I'll give you Vladimir Guerrero. Oh, really? Yeah. He'll Who's swing it in. He'll go after it all. Okay. And I make make contact more often than not. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Thank you very much. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, and I toured the campus, beautiful assembly hall. Got to walk into Memorial Stadium. I did choke, though. You're going to be very disappointed because my nephew was giving us the tour. He plays in the University of Illinois baseball team. So got a little bit of connection there. We were able to walk into Memorial Stadium. He says they use that for practice sometimes. And, and number one, it was really cool. I don't think I've ever done this where I walked through the uh, opening into a football stadium where it was completely empty and dead silent. Uh huh. Have you ever done that? Um, in a massive stadium, a completely empty. Yeah. I. Uh... Just Wrigley Field, but not a football stadium. Yeah. I, I've never done that for a massive football stadium. Yeah, it was so. pretty cool. I just stood there for a minute and kind of soaked it all in. No, Beautiful no, have, Memorial I Stadium. I have. I was uh, the RCA Dome. I practiced there where the, where the Indianapolis Colts used to play. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. McMurray had a practice there the day before we beat Manchester 63 to nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was closer, the, closer than the score might indicate. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It actually was. So. <laughs> yeah, but that was kind of cool. But here's where I choked, and I'm, I'm kicking myself, and I did all the way home, and you're going to probably kick me down the road a little bit further. Uh, we're walking out of the stadium. Uh, we're still in the stadium, but, you know, in the um, – the uh, you know where the, the the food is whatever you call that area the inside inner bowels of the stadium headed towards the outside and I'm starting to talk about my football and actually ready to criticize Ron Zook talking about even when you know Ron Zook was successful in the coach of the year I was saying this guy is overmatched and I kind of looked around a little bit and did lower my voice just in case there was any you know Ron Zook alumni still in the area and there was a guy oh maybe. 30, 40 yards away, walking towards us as we're heading out, and my nephew informed me that that's the brand-new football coach of the University of Illinois. Oh, really? Yes. And you didn't say hello to him? That's where I choked. That's where, instead of stopping, introducing, maybe setting up an interview, all that, you know, I kept on walking, didn't want to deal with it. My son said, you know, he's not big on me doing that kind of stuff, so... I apologize, okay. Big Doe. We could have had we could have had Todd he, Beckman on. Done there, it's totally different. Don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry about it. All right. All good. Thank you very much. All right. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Our phone number. Big Dog and the coach reunited again. Dog. A lot of areas to go to today. NBA playoffs. The Hawks against the Coyote and a couple of big upsets in the NHL playoffs. We can go baseball. I'll let you make the call today, or we can go WNBA draft. Uh, no, the only thing I have on the WNBA draft is this. Are, like, the first two teams going to, like, the first team that we take, Beth Grant or, or Brittany Griner, well, she's not available until next year. We won't get her until next year. That's fine. And then the person right after is, like, we'll take uh, Sabrina Della Don, whatever her name is. Well, she's not available this year. Well, we'll wait for her until next year. Is that mm-hmm. what's going to happen at this draft? Well, they already had the draft. I thought you were going to analyze it and break it down for the draft was yesterday. Okay. Well, I, but honestly, isn't this one of those, like, does anybody care that the two greatest women players possibly in history are going to be in next year's draft? Who's the other one? The, the girl from uh, Delaware, that Della Don girl, who was the number one player in the country oh, yeah. when she went to Connecticut. And That's then right. her, yep. And then her, then her little brother got sick. Yep. So she wanted to move close, or her little sister got sick, mm-hmm. so she moved back to Delaware, and she didn't even play basketball, and all of a sudden someone's like, you might want to play again, and then she... She's like, okay, and then she led the nation in scoring, averaging 30 points a game this season. Mm-hmm. And she's That's only a had... pretty good way to come back into the game, coach, lead an entire nation in scoring. The girl's unreal. I mean, that, watching her move and shoot and run, it's like, oh, it's no joke. It's like that girl is so much better than mm-hmm. everybody. There's no doubt that when she's in the WNBA, she'll be a first-team all-league girl. I mean, there's, it's in, She'll be the best at her position. Interesting. Say, I'm pr- proud of you for following that story, Big Don. Usually I'm the WNBA guy here. I remember the, the story, but I did not see any games of the Delaware Blue Hen this year. I haven't even seen any highlights. I forgot about her, but I'm glad she's back bigger and better than ever. And, of course, the other girl you're talking about is Brittany Griner, who will not be available till next year's draft uh, either. Yeah, they, she, they, were, they got to the Sweet 16, the uh, Delaware Blue Hens, but Going into this year, they were supposed to win, like, five games. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, she tries out for the team, and they make the tournament as a four-seed or something like that, you know. So, girl can play. Number yeah, one pick Diner, went to the um, L.A. Sparks, and I talked about her before, Nakaidi Ogwamike. I'm probably butchering the name, but she is a not only a phenomenal player, Big Dog, and I mentioned it before, out of Stanford University. Absolute, pure 
quality young lady, leader, well-spoken, intelligent, and, of course, uh, a phenomenal player, too. She was the number one pick. Oklahoma. Yeah, I guess L.A. did get a pretty good I – was, I was joking around about being like, wow, we got it a, a year yeah. too early. But, yeah, I guess yeah, that she was a real – because I remember doing a real nice class act. Yep. Doing something like – like I forgot what she did in the game, and the opposing yeah. team – like ended up a partner for that, well, Yeah, that's the ultimate compliment. Is the the people on the other teams absolutely love her? The the one we were talking about is when she was taken out in the semifinal game when her career was uh, effectively over, and not yeah. only her teammates each one hugging her, but the other team, the other team realizing the uniqueness and the appreciation for this rare talent and character, all was up applauding too, and some of them were in tears, and you almost. We're waiting for them to come over and, hu- and hug the young lady as well. So in sports, Big Dog, if we have any young kids listen to the program, I think you would agree with that. If you can uh, win and be competitive and play your butt off and still gain the respect of the other team, that's really, from an athlete standpoint, about as good as it gets. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, I-, I think uh, there's so much. People like to talk smack and put it in people's face. It's like that's like big in sports. Everybody's got to do that. Not everybody, but a lot. That's like a trend. Well, not only do we have to win, and not only do we have to win looking good, we have to make the other team look bad and let them know about it. Yeah. It's like that sport has gone in that direction. Yeah, I think it, it all started with uh, Chicago Bull guard Steve Kerr. He's the one who started it. You know what, though, <laughs> Coach? That kid, he's, he's bling. Nothing but bling. Okay. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Now, you know, don't take this wrong. Going to the dunk contest because they wouldn't pay him enough. So, I mean, that's right then. That's when I knew I was a little worried about Steve Kerr. Real quick, and, you know, I'll make the joke here, but don't take this wrong because I am a, you know, I coach women's sports and I'm a huge fan of the women's game. But there are people out there that say uh, that they put the WNBA draft and tax returns due date on the same day so they can get two of the most painful experiences of the entire year over with at the same time. I'm glad you said it. Yes. And not me. So we yes. can, uh, I do, I, you know, I can talk baseball all day long for you, Coach. So you're going to have to go over with me all the different hockey upsets that happened yesterday because let's just say I was knee-deep in a mm-hmm. bunch of uh, taking my girlfriend out for her birthday. So Really? Lily, Lily the Lilac's birthday? And so April 15th is her birthday. She's a tax day baby, too. Beautiful. Okay. And on on. Yesterday, I went over all these amazing happenings that happened on April 15th. It's really a truly incredible day mm-hmm. in, in history. So uh, I took her out yesterday because obviously we had the huge party on, mm-hmm. on Sunday. So I wanted to give her a day where we just went out by the two of us. I, I, have to admit, Coach, I have no idea what happened in hockey. You're going to have to lay mm-hmm. it on me. This is reactionary wow. radio. I first, <laughs> uh, first uh, as a uh, semi-avid listener to the two guys in a mic show, a happy birthday. A happy birthday to the uh, beautiful and lovely Lily the Lilac out there. Lily, if you're listening, happy birthday. Belated. Well, the big upset to talk about, and again, I'm, you know, who am I to talk about the uh, hockey playoffs here? I'm pretty much, a, I've followed very limited amount of hockey. If you want to be I, our I hockey analyst on the show, you can do it. The, the, first, the first two games I watched for everybody. So the game threes that okay. you're going to start talking about, I, I haven't watched these, but legitimately up until last night, I've, basically sat in front of television and watched okay. hockey and baseball right. for the last week. So you, in part, can be our hockey analyst. Yes, that's my but The yeah. Bulls were on, and I was watching other teams play yeah. hockey. Think about that. Yeah, and I so, want to get to, I want to get to Bull basketball uh-huh. as well. But to the big story, I guess, and again, I haven't followed it much, Big Dog, number eight seed Los Angeles. 
leading Vancouver, the one seed, the dreaded Canuck, who the Blackhawks absolutely hate. 3 0. So you got an eight seed over a one seed, and they've won three straight games. Explain a por favor. How does that happen? Break it down uh, for us. First and foremost, Roberto Luongo is a choke artist. He's, we always talk about great players that rise in the playoffs. We, we go on and on, the Robert Ories, the Dave Hendersons. You know, we can go on and on with those guys. Every, year in and year out, Roberto Luongo is statistically amazing during the regular season, top four to one over the last, like, six years, Coach. He hasn't been lower than the fourth best goalie. And all of a sudden they get knocked out because he's horrible in the, in the playoffs. I'm not blaming it all on him. Barry Melrose called it. Barry Melrose said straight up, every single hockey expert, they were like, well, it's kind of funny that the thing, though, the, the, uh, Los Angeles beating Vancouver is the thing that I'm most sure of in the first round. And that was an eight over one. Nobody's even surprised, coach. I mean, this is one, it's an eight one upset. They're sweeping them 3 0. And people are like, oh, yeah, they'll come. And Vancouver always chokes in the playoffs. And did, did, didn't we theoretically get over the Robert, Robert, Roberto Luongo hump? Last year, big dog, refresh my memory, but uh, Vancouver beat the Hawk, correct? And Luongo yeah, but, won that game, and I thought at the time that that was kind of the the hurdle. He finally got over, and he won the big game, and you know, you and, know he, and then and then look what happened after that. Yeah, what did happen after that? Okay, I forgot. Was, uh, yeah, they they lost the next round. I don't think they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They okay. lost in the Western Conference Finals. So that watershed Game Seven victory where he played, if I recall correctly, good under pressure. It wasn't stand in your well, head great. Well, the Hawks lost in a game seven last year. In right? The, in the, Am I cracking up? Didn't Were we behind? I, I thought they beat him 4-2. Uh, but either way, Luongo did play pretty decent. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to I have to agree with you on that. Don't forget, in 2010, people were like, oh, Luongo is over all the all the distractions because he the, Canada won the, the gold medal. So everybody knows that he's a primetime goalie. Yep. And then they go out against the Hawks as he's the gold medal winner. And I think he wore the gold medal while he was playing, and that <laughs> was kind of cumbersome. So uh, I, I, and don't forget, the, the Hawks series against Vancouver, Coach, I know the Hawks had like one or two, like they, they poured in goals on him a couple days. Mm-hmm. And he had to skate off the ice in the middle of the second period. Mm-hmm. There's, I think that's the most fun thing to watch is the opponent goalie Skate back in those big pads, back, you know, when they're getting pulled in the middle of the second with their head down, yes. slamming the, their big floppy stick on the ice. That cracks me up, Coach. I love yeah. it. You did say stick, I hope. I, I, I hope so, too. Yeah. Uh, 888-463-6748, the phone number. Any hockey fans out there you want to chime in? We lead off with the NHL hockey playoffs. We'll get to the NBA and the beloved Bull. And I, actually, a pretty good race going on at the NBA's Western Conference for playoff spots, and of course we'll do a little baseball as well with the Cub taking on the Miami Marlins today. Big Dog, the other uh, series of note, the Battle of Pennsylvania, number four seeds, five seeds. We thought this for sure was going to go down to a game seven. We thought it was going to be a tight battle, good matchup. Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, the Flyers had that amazing comeback in game one at Pittsburgh, and it seemed like the Penguins just kind of fell apart after that right now. It's Philadelphia three. Pittsburgh zero. Do you see sweep, or is there still a heartbeat in Pittsburgh? You, you know what? Uh, for some reason, you know, in other sports, there's always teams try to make that comeback. But for some reason, in hockey, when teams go up three zero, they complete the sweep. Coach, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say that I definitely think LA will finish the sweep of Vancouver, 
And and I will admit Pittsburgh and Philadelphia are extremely even teams, but right now Philly has their number. And, and I, I don't know how they beat them in Game Three in Philadelphia, but I'm assuming that they'll, they'll beat them again in Philadelphia and they'll, they'll complete the sweep, coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and won, that's surprising, uh... totally surprising. Who, who would have thought? Out of all the matchups, this is the one that I was like guaranteeing it was a seven-game series. Coach. Who's who's playing goalie for Pittsburgh? Is it Roberto Luongo? Because the last two games have been eight to four, and eight to five, sixteen goals in the last two games. Wow! Yeah, that's 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 something that tells me more than one goalie was yeah, between the pipes when sixteen mm-hmm. goals goes up. Coach. All right, Phoenix Coyotes uh, take on our very own Chicago Blackhawk back at the United Center, the Hawks. Gaining the home court, home ice advantage, dog. First two games have been amazing. We didn't get a chance to talk. I was off yesterday, but uh, uh, unbelievable. The Hawks, again, score. This time, instead of 14 seconds left, they score with 5.5 seconds left. They put it away in overtime. Were you watching? What was your reaction Were and the people with you as um, Patrick Sharp tipped in that goal? Well, it was pretty cool because uh, my roommate had uh, gotten back from Hawaii and you know, they, they come back and they get to watch some playoff hockey. Uh, legitimately, Coach, I swear to you, I was not worried. I'm like, guys, we're all good. And we weren't panicking, even with like a minute to go. And then when about 10 seconds ago, we started panicking. I was like, oh, no. And then I didn't know where Seabiscuit does it again, gets a shot on goal, absolutely a blast. And I don't know, it was so quick, Coach. The puck got to him, and he didn't wait. He attacked. And uh, Sharpie deflects it in, and the Hawks tie it up. All I know is this. If you're a Blackhawk and you're trailing in any of the games remaining in this series, you got to feel 100% confident you can tie the game in, mm-hmm. no matter how late it is. Uh, and Phoenix will not feel comfortable the rest of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The, that Mike Smith guy, has, he's got to be shaken, Coach. You blow – I know they won the game in overtime, and, and let's face it, if the uh, if the Hawks don't turn over the puck in uh, you know in their own end, yep. they probably they're not going to give up a cheap goal like that. Mike Smith's got to be pretty shaken right now because a goalie is supposed to uphold a lead in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the third period, and in two consecutive home games they, he choked. I, I did choked. Um, the he judges on his slam of the stick after the Patrick Sharp redirect. The judges gave him about an eight point five. What, was that, that uh, the earthquake? That was pretty good. He went straight up, good form. You know, I thought if he would have extended his arms a little bit higher above his head, but to overall, the elbow extension, then the follow-through into the ice, he kept the stick perfectly straight as it hammered into the ice. I thought it was one of the better hockey-discussed moves I've ever seen. And you're talking about a guy who absolutely deserved to uh, feel disgust. Yeah, that was, that was a goal he should have saved probably. You know, well, not not just that, uh, uh, Coach. Let's not beat this one to death because I I, I over dramatized it yesterday for about two minutes because I thought it was pretty funny. But when uh, uh, Adam Shaw ran into him behind the net, yep, and he flailed down like a combination of Dennis Rodman and Vlade Divac, the two <laughs> biggest floppers in NBA history, and then and then laid face down for I don't know how many minutes it took them to do the replay, and all of a sudden. Uh, Game misconduct, five minute major. He pops up, wipes the the, the ice off. All right, let's go, let's go. Time yep. to go. What? What? Thirty seconds ago, we thought you were dead. Game misconduct. All of a sudden, you're fine. I I uh, thought he was part of the WWF. You see that in pro wrestling all the time, right? The guys awesome. getting beaten, getting hammered, practically dead. Then all of a sudden, they get one little punch in, and boom, they're back to life. 
uh, coach. And then obviously, you know, like keep the Coyotes score after that. It was it's just strange. So I've been watching this with a, bu- a bunch of my buddies came over game one, and then my roommates come back for game for game two. There hasn't been like that venom against the other team like you typically feel in a hockey series. It mm-hmm. isn't like we hate the Coyotes. I, right when he flopped like that, it instantly turned on. All my, my roommates wanted Mike Smith dead. I want him dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all you got to do. Right. Just fake an injury, and all of a sudden now we got a we got a rivalry. Coach, the Blackhawks fans are a little yeah. upset with uh, the Phoenix goalie, and he trust me, if he lets in an early goal, it's an all your fault. It's all your fault. Chant will start. It's early. Center, it's early. There could be more fun to come. We're only two games into what could be a best of six. Maybe a best of seven. Two apparently fairly evenly matched teams. Big dog, real quick before we move on, give the, take me into the, uh, insides of the sport so near and dear to your heart. You, you're a man that's laced up the skate on occasion anyways. Uh, Patrick Sharp scores that goal on what the hockey term is a redirect. Yeah. Now, I was thinking about this. Help me out. What is the strategy when your teammate takes a slap shot? And you have opportunity. I guess what I'm asking is, what is the mental thought process? When do you let it go, don't get in the way of a hard shot, and when do you decide to redirect? What is the strategy there, or is it simply hockey instinct? Again, a man who has uh, laced up the skates more than a few times, our hockey expert, Joel Radwanski. You know, that's got to be, that's just got to be hockey instinct. Like if, like if, <laughs> if the goalie's down on his face and there's a slap shot up top shelf, you let it go. But like any other way, you know, you, you're so. I do know this. You're only. I remember hearing a guy talk about this. You're supposed to aim at one half of the puck, so like the top or the bottom part, so that way you don't stop it completely. You know what I mean? But when mm-hmm. you get your stick in the way, you hit the top half of it, and it'll. And there's no chance a goalie can react, mm-hmm. they see a puck coming at one angle, there's no way that they can change right. and go when the puck's coming at them at 100 miles an hour, you so, can, and it changes direction. So it sounds, like, to do. sounds like what you're telling me is that if you have a good position and good opportunity to redirect, that's what you do. Well, let's face it, if, if uh, that, uh, I didn't want to rip Mike uh, Smith for that goal, but he, he, left, he left the goal pretty open. So it was a pretty easy re- redirect, but if you he doesn't if that is not redirected, it probably he might stop that goal. Coach. Okay. Well, do you think it, he stops it? It looked I mean, to it, me it was still pretty open. Yeah, it was still pretty open. So that, that's debatable. But on a lot of redirects, you're like, oh yeah, absolutely. If he doesn't redirect it, that that puck's getting stopped. Mm-hmm. So all, right. all I know is this: Sharpie got a goal. I'm happy with it. Seabiscuit gets an assist after getting the goal. The you know the, in game one, it's extended into. Overtime, and this is the first time I feel like one-one is almost like two-nothing. So. Yes, <laughs> really. It's like yeah. Well, you know, if you're Phoenix, like you 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 cannot, you just can't give up a goal after a hard-fought game with 5.5 seconds left. It's just it, you know, it, it's like walking the bases loaded after you've got a two-run lead and two outs and nobody on, and then walking you know the next two or three guys in. It's just uh, it's it's a loss, but it's more significant than one loss. It can carry carry on. I, I do agree, and I, I want to say this too. I don't know if you got to watch both games because of of, of your travails all over the country, <laughs> but uh, the Blackhawks have been outplayed for two games, yep. and without question, I, I, people could say yes or no to me on that. You know, I, I was in an argument with a Hawk fan yesterday. The guy, you see, he's red and black. That's all he sees everywhere. Everywhere, okay. So 
whatever. But uh, they didn't play that well. They were like just they were sloppy with the puck, and most importantly, and he could, he didn't even argue this with me. They got thoroughly out hit and out physical, and that's why I thought they played poorly. They were willing to just get jump and and chase the puck because they didn't want to get hit. Phoenix has out hit them, coach. I mean, I'll buy a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, we will see. Maybe the home ice advantage will uh, get the Chicago fans fired up a little bit. Maybe the play that you're talking about, the Mike Smith behind the net, will get the Hawks fired up a little bit. But, again, I haven't seen it uh, because of my travails across the country, if you call uh-huh. champagne a travail. Um, but that's what I heard, too, that overall Phoenix has been out playing the Blackhawks and not dominating but controlling the action for the most part. Yeah, they, they really have. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I, I wouldn't say it was dominating, but they have not let the Hawks play free. I guess it's never going to be easy in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. they they have not been able to play that pretty okay. style of hockey, which the Hawks can play. Right. Instead, they're just like, oh, I got the puck. It's a hot potato. I don't want to get hit. They just dump it in the other end. It consistently happens. It's driving me crazy. Game three, 8 o'clock tonight at the United Center. Big dog, any chance of the commander-in-chief, our general manager here, Chris Whitting, will be sending you to the game or – Will you be walking, uh, watching in the home of boat? Well, uh, as long I, I'll go, but I'll, I'll I'll have to have one eye on that Miami Marlins Chicago Cubs game, Coach. My bad eye, though. <laughs> it's not bad. Ryan Dempster going up against Josh Johnson. Johnson oh, has game, struggled though. his first two games. Can he come back? Ozzie Guillen his first game back, and he's doing it against his arch rival, the Cubs. The only disappointment as we make a very smooth and semi-professional transition to the fine sport of baseball, which will be concluded by the award-winning baseball round them up and wrap them up. The only disappointment, Big Dog, is I analyze the pitching matchups, and they're good ones, but as you're well aware, Carlos Zambrano not scheduled to pitch against the beloved Cup. Uh, you know, Coach, I, I was looking forward to it, and it's, it's just too bad. Because I... I, I, I I was assuming he was going to pitch absolutely incredible because that's just what happens to the Cubs. Uh, when somebody never reaches their potential, they get rid of them, and then they always come back and just kill the Cubs. So that's what will happen if Carlos Zambrano plays him. But he's so emotional that he would want to do so well yep. that it would play against him. I, I, think. Right. I, was, I was looking forward to see exactly what would happen if, if uh, they could have confronted each other. Mm-hmm. Most of the teammates, by the way, you read the quotes and listen to the folk, most of the teammates – of Carlos Zambrano, the current Chicago Cubs that played with him for one, two, three, four, five. I think Carlos Marmol said it's been six years. Uh, you know, they, they admit to his occasional deficiencies, but most of them say they enjoyed him as a teammate, that he's a pretty good guy. Yeah, they were, they were saying that. And, uh, a lot of the teammates have said that. Ryan Dempster, Alfonso Soriano has said that. And, uh, sorry, like, there's this new attitude in camp. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, there's like, uh, Chris DeLuca wrote a real nice article about it <laughs> talking about the fact that, uh, there's going to be no distraction. Like there's, and, and, uh, Ryan Dempster was like, yeah, there's not going to be any distractions here. I really feel like we're, it's going to, and they're like, is it because Zambrano isn't here? And he didn't say yes. He's like, well, uh, he's, he's like, I think it's just the attitude of the new general manager and president. And Alfonso Soriano said the same thing. He's like, Let's not say it's because Zambrano isn't here. Let's just say it's because of Dale Swain and Hoyer and mm-hmm. Epstein and the new type of regime in here. So that does make sense because everyone's like, oh, the Cubs are, are harmonious. It's, are harmonious is because Zambrano isn't here. Yeah. Let's give some credit. Let's think of the positive things. Maybe the team is going in the right direction. 
maybe they're getting good guys in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, this stuff, but the Chris DeLuca thing, when I read it, Coach, I think I dislike Zambrano more now after reading it. Found out he was like changing, like he was making the infielders move, even though like they had different scouting reports. And when they would move, he would start screaming at them on the field. I mean, like, wow. I was like, oh, what a they did. They're just covering for him. They didn't like playing for this guy. Interesting. They did. They were just covering for him. So whenever they said, oh, he was a good guy, mm-hmm. after reading this, it was plain and simple. I, if you read between the lines, they were like, let's let's not – it's not all about them, Brian. we got a new regime in here. Let's just mm-hmm. forget about him and move on. We're done with him. Okay. That's basically how I, I took it. Well, I have read between the lines, but unfortunately I haven't read Chris DeLuca. So i got to uh, archive and read that article and uh, see – if I can pick up some things, an interesting angle on it. And I think, Big Dog, I can speak for at least some of the Cub fans out there and say that after the first 10 games at 3-7 and seven and the projections for the rest of this year, for the, at least this year, we might need a few distractions. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It might yeah. not be the worst thing in the world, but somebody might have to come up with a few distractions because if it's just vanilla baseball and we watch this team play 300 baseball the entire year, it could get a little old, so uh, you know, be careful what you wish for, but or be careful what you you don't wish for. But because some of us may be wanting for a little distractions in about thirty or forty games, they're not going to play three hundred baseball all season long, Coach. Okay, their starting their starting staff is too good. The National League Central is too bad. I'm not talking about their starting staff isn't dominant or anything like that, but they're, they're going to win. They're not going to lose a hundred games, mm-hmm. and and if they played three hundred ball, they would lose about. 114 games. I don't think that's going to happen. Coach. Hmm. Uh, they're not going to be anywhere near that bad. But I'm I'm really trying to take away the positives from this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, going through all the uh, every day now, I look at the Cubs minor league system and and who's doing what. Last uh, yesterday and 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 in West Penn Jackson missed or West Tennessee. Uh, Everybody hit for the Cubs, and everybody was stealing bases, doubles, triples, all over. All these high prospects that have always not panned out for the Cubs. The last four or five years, all their number one, twos, and three players are incredible, and they have one of the best. All their teams are some of the best in, in mm-hmm. the minor leagues in the league that they're in. So, from our uh, our thinking. reports, our people telling us uh, Anthony Rizzo, Brett Jackson, and Josh Vitters—three names that we've heard early and often—is some of the potential players in a regular Cub uniform in the not-too-distant. All three of those guys are tearing it up early in the AAA season. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise anybody for Brett Jackson. The guy's always been healthy, mm-hmm. and like he was the number one pick. Oh, and guess what? He hits flying drives everywhere, can go catch the ball, and he can flat-out run the bases. Well, Josh Bitters was like the fourth overall pick, but this guy has always been hurt, and it's like, Kind of want to give up on him because he's never blossomed, but it's like a shoulder, then it's a knee, then it was his back, then it was his elbow. Well, this is the first year he's been healthy. So, so the way I look at it, he's healthy. We'll find out if he can play this year in the minor leagues. And, mm-hmm. and, but, you know, I was thinking, about it, I was about to give up on this guy. He's still like 23, coach. Do you know what I mean? He's not playing the major leagues yet. He's 23 years old. He's still, you know, back in the day, you, you were like 25, 26 before you made it in the majors. So yep. I, I haven't given up on that kid yet. Still they got another kid, the number one draft pick from last year, Javier Baez. Yep. And they are raving about this kid. They're like, we can't believe we got this kid. They're like, he's so much better than we actually thought he was. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Good things in the future for the uh, Chicago Cub. The uh, Chicago White Sox, big dog on the other side of town, playing pretty good baseball. I won't say rolling along, but uh, 
Pretty good start to the season, but they hit a colossal bump in the road yesterday. Four to one lead. Phil Umber pitched a solid game. Bullpen falls apart. They give up two in the ninth, and then the tenth inning got downright ugly as they gave up a grand slam to Matt. Is it Whiters or Weeters? Uh, Matt Weeters. Thank you very much, Matt yeah, Weeters with the grand slam. Yeah, he's one of those guys, uh, like uh, the minor league superstar that was supposed to be awesome, and then his first two or three years, he kept hitting like. 250 with 10 home runs. Ah, let's forget about him. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? He's still like 25 years old, and all of a sudden he, he figured it out a little bit. And uh, he's, a, he, he's a future all-star coach. Matt Weider's a heck of a player for he the world. He figured Warriors. it out against Zach Stewart yesterday. Zach Stewart was brutal. Hector Santiago really had his first bad outing for a Chicago White Sox as a bullpen closer. He's been pretty impressive so far, but boy... You have a two-run lead heading into the ninth inning, Big Doug, and you lose it. That is painful, as we've talked about before, right from the words of Jed Hoyer. It really hurts when you win a game for two hours and 20 minutes, and you lose it in 15 minutes. Well, and it, it absolutely does. It's a tough loss, so what you have to do now is take the even-keel approach that Robin Ventura is supposed to bring to the organization, yep. forget about it, and play the next game of 162. And as much as it hurts, as much as it hurts, every single team blows saves and, and loses games. Closing and finishing ball games is extremely difficult. The point is you have to pick yourself back up and continue to go out there and, and battle. If, if Santiago goes out there again yep. and chokes, is he, is he going to be like, oh, no, uh, I can't close? Or is he going to be the type of guy that's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can close and the, that third time I actually get it done? Yep. Nobody, Mariano Rivera doesn't even close at a 90% rate. He's the greatest ever. Would you agree with that, Coach? Absolutely. And he, and he still doesn't even close at a 90% rate. So it's I not was, a gimme. Yeah, I think Mariano Rivera's got a shot at making the Hall of Fame. Ooh. <laughs> That's, uh, no, you're absolutely yeah, I, correct. It, it takes a short memory. It takes a strong arm. Mm-hmm. And it takes, uh, you know, a solid... Set of testicular, uh, testicular fortitude to be a bullpen yeah. closer. I've got one out of those three. The short memory, that part I've got down. <laughs> the strong arm and the guts under pressure, I'm not so, so sure, Big Dub, but short memory I've got down. But you're right. You got to come back the next day. The little bit I've seen, the little bit I've seen out of Hector Santiago, I think he's going to be that kind of guy. I like the, uh, the cut of his jib. I think he'll be just fine. And I, I love the movement of that screwball he has. My goodness, that's nasty. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have a pitch that hardly anybody else throws, and if you can master that pitch, you could you could really be dominant, Coach. And how many, like two or three pitchers in the league throw a screwball? So, first uh, first couple pitch. times I saw him pitch, I, I actually replaced the battery or remote control. Because I thought my, you know, the screen was like, the, I thought my screen was doing weird things, maybe like slowing down. So I put the new batteries in, and the pitch did the same thing. That is, I didn't even know it was a screwball, but I knew it was doing something weird. Yeah, it's, it's, it, he turns it over. It goes in the wrong direction for uh-huh. where his arm angle is. The ball's not supposed to come out like okay. that. It's pretty cool. Does he like to keep the ball down low? Yes, yes. Does he like to, our new term this year, Ron Sant, does he like to pitch to contact? Uh <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, only in double play situations. <laughs> and does he like to get ahead in the count? Oh, he loves to pitch ahead in the count. As a really? closer, he definitely prefers to pitch with the lead as a closer. <laughs> as when he's pitching without the lead. 
Thank you very, thank you very much for that. Not only a hockey analyst, folks, but a baseball insider as well. Real quick before we leave the White Sox Big Dog One Hour Sports Show, a lot of topics to get to. I apologize if we bounce around a lot, but it's by necessity. It's not by preference. Um, one other thing when you look at the White Sox, and again, it's been a good start to the season, but of concern. Will you tell me how much of a concern this is? The four guys, the four guys that I think were consensus key players to bounce back and show that they can hit. I'm talking about position players, not pitchers. You know, the four guys, and I'm going to read their batting averages, and again, what do we play? Ten games. So yeah. maybe you're going to tell me, don't worry, Coach, but I see a little bit of concern. Brett Morrell, we know he can field. Can he hit? He's hitting 103. Uh, Adam Dunn, he's hitting 200. Alex Rijos, he's hitting 200. Gordon Beckham, he's hitting 150. Team. Those were the four guys. We needed at least two, maybe three of them to bounce back big. And it's 115, 200, 200, and 103, Big Dog. How, how concerned are you? Uh, for the for your first three, Morrell, Beckham, and Dunn, I'm extremely worried about it. I'm not trying to throw gas on the fire. But Morrell and Beckham have never done it for a complete season. Beckham's year was a half year. And ever since then, he's been a... 245, 12 homer guy, if you know what I mean. So I don't, I'm concerned about him because I don't know if he's ever going to be the, the 325 guy like everybody thought he was going to be. Okay. I don't think he's going to be brutal and, and abysmal, but I'm, I'm concerned about it. Now, Don, I'm completely worried about because he has looked really bad the last couple of games that, that I've been watching the White Sox. I mean, just horrible automatic out. And Brett Morrell has never hit on the major league level at, for any stretch of any time. So that's a real, real one to look out for. Now, Adam Rios, his numbers are not there, Coach, but I've watched a lot of White Sox games. I, I swear to you, he's hitting Adam balls, and he's had a bunch of good at-bats. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't worry because you're talking about a guy who had a horrible season last year. He makes $19 million a year. All of a sudden, he starts off the next season where he can't, ha- doesn't have any luck. That might mess with a guy's head, and all of a sudden he starts pressing, and who knows what can happen. Mm-hmm. But at least Rios, like he's at least swinging the bat okay, as opposed to the other three who are not swinging the bat okay. Mm-hmm. Adam Dunn, to be fair, had uh, I think a double on Saturday, couple doubles on Sunday, so he's had contact on occasion, but still it's the strikeouts and some at bats. He just, including yesterday, where he looks just absolutely brutismal. You're talking about see, that's how bad it is, coach. You're talking about a major league player, and you're talking about he's showing signs of improvement because he made some contact. Yep. You know what I mean? So yep. that's that's when you start and and don't forget that isn't the first time you or I have said something similar to that over the last eighty games for Adam Dunn. Mm-hmm. You know, we've I said that a couple of times last year. I was like, well. Maybe he can get his average up to 200, Coach. He's made some contact. Well, that didn't work. He ended up at 159 last season with 166 strikeouts. Yeah, we we got to find some pitchers to throw to him that like pitching to contact as much as he does. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. Real quick, baseball round him up, wrap him up, then we'll talk a little NBA Chicago Bulls as they lose to the Washington Wizards. But real quick, in the American League yesterday, Big Dog, pretty good game. Tampa Bay won, Boston nothing. you got to love those 1-0 games. Boston had won the first three in the series. Tampa Bay able to salvage. Game four, James Shields. We forget about him, but he's one of the premier pitchers in baseball. He shuts down the Red Sox. Uh, big game, James pitches eight and a third. Fernando Rodney picking up the save for uh, 
the Tampa Bay Rays, who have a different closer every year. They always have a great season out of a guy that was horrible for a bunch of other teams, like mm-hmm. Fernando Rodney. Uh, there's like Joaquin Benoit, Kyle Farnsworth. You just name them, coach. That's what the Rays do is they the reclamation projects for closers. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Shields, if he's pitching against the Mariners, loses and gives up five runs. And if he pitches against the Yankees, the Red Sox, if it's for them to clinch a playoff berth or a game, he is that's, unbelievable. Big game James Shields. That's why they call him Big Game James. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, the Bobby Valentine volcano bubbling already. Apparently he had to publicly apologize for criticizing Kevin Euclid, called him out in the press, and that's not what the Red Sox do. That's not what uh, ex-manager Terry Francona did. Dustin Pedroia was quoted as saying, uh, you know, maybe that worked in Japan. And not so subtle shot at Bobby Valentine. So uh, wow. already issues, big dog. And I think you predicted that uh, Mount Valentine will explode at some point, no? Yeah, yeah, I predicted. And I, and I, but I was like, and I also predicted that there'd be way too much of an issue made out of it because if you didn't see it coming, you thought that Isaac Gian was going to go four years as a Miami manager without ever getting suspended. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it, it took less than a week. Okay. That's, it's Bobby Valentine. This won't be the last time. This won't be the last time Bobby Valentine tries to prove that he's got the most testosterone in the Boston mm-hmm. Red Sox locker room, Coach. Right. Okay. Washington Nationals, real quick over the National League. Washington defeats uh, the Houston Astros six to three. Steven Strasburg, big dog. One of the stories of the beginning of the season, he pitches well again. They're limiting his innings, but six strong innings. Picks up his second consecutive victory. The Washington Nationals have been awfully good this year. And Steven Strasburg, credit the doctor, the surgery looks successful. He's pitching well. Yeah, you know what? I don't know what it is about that surgery. It's like nothing now. You get Tommy John surgery, yep. and you come back, and you've lost nothing afterwards. So uh, it was really easy for me to say I'm not the one that has to go through the 10, 12 months of ridiculous mm-hmm. rehab and all that other stuff, but I'd be more than happy if that yep. meant I was going to get a guaranteed contract that worth millions of dollars. But I used to be a, a semi-respectable, actually pretty good backyard badminton player last summer, was regularly beaten by uh, both of my sons and some of their friends, Big Dog, and I used elbow troubles as an excuse. I am considerate, based on the success of some of these pitchers, I may go Tommy John surgery and see if it can bring back my backyard badminton game. Good idea, bad idea, or somewhere in the vast in-between? Uh, bad idea. My girlfriend, all of her cousins, they're all female. They would kill you in badminton. You would never have, have a they, chance. Have they had Tommy John surgery? They have not had Tommy John surgery, but i got to tell you, there's no – I mean, it, they take badminton seriously in China, Coach. <laughs> okay. It is It is a different – I love to watch the, uh, the recreational American player as they enter the badminton arena. Going up against like the serious Asian player, it's it's an interesting comparison. Yeah, like uh, like the Asians know all the rules. You can kick the birdie. <laughs> Did you know that, coach? That if well, I kicked the birdie. Reach, you kicked the birdie, so you know what I'm talking about. You yeah, I kick it. I kick, kick it after it's on the ground after I whiffed at it. Well, that that actually that's just bad sportsmanship with with, with that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So really, you can kick a birdie? I'm almost positive. I know you can kick a volleyball. Uh, maybe I'm. You know what I'm? No, I wasn't. I'm not thinking of badminton. Mm-hmm. There's there's an there's another game that looks like badminton, but there's no rackets, and it's with two guys, and you kick the ball back and forth. And always, like the the, the team from Taiwan is the best because they got mm-hmm. like some four foot ten dude that mm-hmm. can do like somersaults and kick the ball <laughs> at full speed. 
Oh, goodness. I still remember one of our listeners. You remember uh, uh, Glenview Jack, Dr. Jack? Yeah. Well, he still relates a story. I think it was in his college days at Arizona State where he, uh, you know, back home he played table tennis and ping pong and enjoyed it. So there was a, the first meeting of the ping pong club, table tennis club. So he thought he would show up. Eh, you know, a little, you know, this isn't bad. I'll check it out. Maybe make some friends. You know, go over there. So he goes over in the, you know, court five of the Athletic and Convocation Center at Arizona State, and he said he knew he was in trouble when he walks over and he, and he sees these guys wearing full sweats and they've got their bags and they're opening their bags and pulling the ping pong paddles out and various other equipment. He knew, okay, this might be a little bit different level than uh, I'm used to. Uh, a little ballistic stretching beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they got the headband on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, r- uh, real quick, I want to finish up the baseball round them up, wrap them up, Big Dog and the coach. Two guys and a mic. We'll do it all over again tomorrow. We do it each and every day from 10 till 11 o'clock, weekdays only. So it's five days a week, one hour a day, five in toto. Still shocking that they let us on the airwaves that long, Big Dog. But as long as somebody continues to give us the ball, we'll keep throwing the pitches, right? Yeah, I'm with you. Thank you. Uh, Roy Halliday going up against Tim Lensicombe yesterday. I missed that, but uh, apparently uh, it was a little bit of a mismatch. Roy Halliday did his thing, eight innings, shut down baseball, pitched brilliantly, but Tim Lensicombe gave up four runs in the first of the classic pitching duel. Was not much of one. Philadelphia beats Frisco five to two. Yeah, it's uh, you know Tim Lincecum has struggled through stretches before in his career, and still has ended up winning, like, Cy Youngs, you know, in years after, like, four or five starts. He couldn't get anybody out like he's going through right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it's never been in the middle of a stretch where a guy with a below 500 record, Matt Cain, gets the largest contract in the history of baseball for a right-handed pitcher. Let me remind what I just said. He's below 500 for his career, and the Giants gave him $120-something million. Okay. <laughs> They, the Giants just gave Madison Baumgartner yep. a six-year deal. Ah, now, I think uh, I know where you're going here. Tim Lincecum, coach, two-time Cy Young Award winner, their best picture on the World Series championship team in 2010. You know, the World Series, that's, that's big. In my book, it is. I, I, I like to reward players that pitch awesome in that. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The kid, uh, they gave him a two-year deal, uh, and then about a week later, they gave Matt Cain $120-something million. Interesting. Possibly the uh, subtle psychology of it all. By the way, Cinemax Cindy emailing in. Uh, quick note, tell Big Dog it's Baumgartner, not Baumgartner. I don't know if she's right or not, but she's making a connect correction. Well, uh, you spell it, Baum. Huh? There's an A in there, Coach. No, I don't think so. There's no A? I don't think so. Uh, the not, Baumgartner, I like that. Not that it really matters, but uh, okay. we, we thank, as always, we thank Cinemax Cindy, one of our longtime listeners, to the program. Why does she never ask me any questions, by the way? Uh, I'm not really sure, Coach. Hmm. All right. I, uh, I, I, I mean, I did love uh, Cinemax, you know. Yeah, all right. Well, you know, I'm like Tin Lensicum. I can be affected by these things. On the outside, I won't show it, but uh, time after time after time, big dog, it does, you know, it's like body punches. It takes something out of you by the end of the show. Oh, so uh, so that's when you start losing. Uh, no, you know, I have no idea what I'm talking about. You up high, you lose a, a foot and a half on your fastball, I stuff like that. Absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Real quick, did I read it correct while I was gone or at some point? The Los Angeles Dodgers, the hottest team in baseball, uh, by the way, their number four pitcher, Adam Harang, struck out nine straight batters of the San Diego Padres. Did I get that correct? Nine straight batters, and wow. then when he was about to come out uh, and and uh, 
try to tie Tom Seaver's record and, and probably possibly surpass it. His team had the audacity to go out and score a bunch of runs. They had, they had uh, like five or six runs. He, uh, he got totally tired of sitting in the dugout for like a half hour. Came back out there and he, and uh, he was like, "Oh, no excuse, no excuse." But he uh, he did he did admit that he was a little stiff. What after. what happened on the next batter? Uh, the guy popped it up to right field. Wow. Nine strikeouts in a row. That's unbelievable. Final quick yeah. baseball note. And, again, this is uh, something, uh, you know, we watched the Cardinals play a couple of games but haven't seen them play all. But apparently through Sunday, and it's early, but through Sunday without Albert Pools, the St. Louis Cardinals, big dog, the highest scoring, the best run-producing team in baseball. Go figure. Yeah, and David Freeze has been in and out of the lineup. You know what I'm saying? Matt Holiday, technically, yep. Coach, really – Hasn't hit a lot yet, but it seems like every time he gets a hit, there's runners at second and third. You know, it's the Cardinals have they look like a formidable offense mm-hmm. so far this year. Yeah, they, not, I don't know how they do it; they just keep on producing players. Yeah, and not sure that will last. My my uh, better instincts say they're going to feel the loss of Albert Pujols at some point, but right now, it's pretty impressive. Brooklyn's not even in the lineup, Coach. Who? Uh, Lance Brooklyn is not in the lineup. Ah, they put the in at first base to replace point. him. All I know is Lance Berkman was called Wally Pitt by Keith Moreland on Sunday as I was listening <laughs> to the game. That, that was the exact two words. Uh-huh. You don't want to hear Wally Pitt when you're associated with your, your name no. in, in professional sports. Yeah, but you know what? Lance Berkman is too good a hitter, and he's still got two or three more good years. Uh, he will not be Wally Pitt. They'll find a spot for him. That dude, he is a he's a factor. He can hit. He puts fear in you. He's not... The best hitter in all of baseball, but Lance Berkman is you're you're aware of him when he's on deck. Oh, there's no doubt. There's yeah. no doubt that you can hit. So. Yep, yep. All right, real quick, big dog got a couple of minutes. Chicago Bulls lose yesterday, eighty seven to eighty four. Derek Rose with another injury, different kind, apparently sore right foot. I think that's his fifth body part that's been injured. Luol Dang out also the Washington Wizards. I heard him called by like three different sportscasters, the lowly wizards. I almost thought that was like their new team game, the lowly Wizards. But uh, uh, did you see the game? And I'm assuming, Big Dog, not much to read into it because they missed their two stars. Yeah, I watched uh, the fourth quarter uh, after I got back uh, from dinner with uh, with the girlfriend. And, yeah, it was hard basketball to watch, Coach. It was really, really hard. It was, it was painful, Coach. The dribbling the ball at their feet. You know, Joe Kim Noah, beautiful pass to Carlos Boozer, who isn't ready for the beautiful pass from Joe Kim Noah. You know, it was like things like that were happening. You know, I mean, like, uh, I don't know. They needed to be a little bit more aggressive, I thought. That's honestly what I thought was that they did, uh, needed to be aggressive. How did John Lucas the third do? Uh, I did not see him play a second in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So it was all okay. C.J. Watson in the fourth quarter. Coach. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, you know, while we're concentrating on the Bulls in the East, here with our particular show, there's actually a pretty good battle going on for the final playoff spot in the NBA West. I wrote it down here, Big Doll. You got Dallas, I think, in the seventh spot. They're 11 games out. Phoenix at 12 and a half, Houston at 12 and a half, and Utah at 13. So you got four teams, and I might have this wrong battling for one spot or two spots, but the point is pretty good action between those four teams right down the stretch for the playoff run. Uh, and. You know what? This is exactly what the NBA was hoping for. They were hoping to get a bunch of close play. You know, with 66 games, you're more likely to get a closer playoff race. Yeah. At the end, a little bit Two less spots. time. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, but hey, uh, the West looked horrible a couple months ago. You look at it now. I don't think it's a lock that the winner of the Bulls and Heat win the championship anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, 
because all of a sudden the Thunder don't look like they're automatic lock in order to get into the finals, yeah. and the uh, you know the Lakers all of a sudden are looking like wow, the Lakers are pretty freaking good. L.A. Clippers under a potential coach of the year, my guy Vinny Del Negro. Yeah, starting the year, Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> They're starting to play pretty good basketball, but uh, uh, it, there is two spots available, and we should add Denver to the mix, Big Dog, also, because Denver's ten and a half back. So basically, Denver's in the sixth spot, half a game ahead of Dallas in the seventh spot, game ahead of Phoenix in the eighth spot, and a half behind them is Houston, one behind them is Utah. So that's a pretty good battle. Pretty good battle that's going on battle. yesterday. Utah defeated Dallas 123-121, to so uh, the Utah Jazz... Tightening things up, and Big Dog, I remind you, the Dallas Mavericks are the defending champions. They might not even make the playoffs this year. Wow. So they have lost a lot of games as of late then, Coach, because they were like in the four or five spot about a week ago. Yep. Man, now, now do you know them? Are there a lot of matchups between these teams at the end of the season? Uh, I do not. I know yesterday that, you know, two of them met mono versus mono. Actually, four of them, because... Houston uh, lost to Denver, so the Denver Nuggets picked up a big win. They beat Houston yesterday, 105-102. So four of the six teams competed against each other yesterday. We'll have to check the schedule, but my guess is there will be some uh, straight-ahead matchups coming now, up. Denver seems to be all the basketball purists, like, favorite team, mm-hmm. just because of last year's trade of Carmelo Anthony. Have you noticed that? Like, yep. There seems to be <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of my friends who just, like, can't stand the old uh, ball the way. defense. Monster game for Al Jefferson yesterday. 28 points, 26 rebounds. Triple overtime. So a lot of PT, but 28 points, 26 rebounds for Al Jefferson. Wow, that's, that's, that's pretty good. All right, big, go ahead. You don't get too many 26 rebound games, Coach. That's impressive. That, that is real impressive. Uh, of course, sometimes, you know, you miss a shot, get a rebound, miss a shot. I used to build up my stats by, you know, missing about four shots in a row and getting the rebound. At any rate, Big Dog, we got to wrap it up. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10, okay? Sounds good. Stay out of trouble, my friend. Dog and a coach on the TalkZone.com. Two guys in a mic at you tomorrow at 10. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and thanks for listening.